Today I want to talk about uh, the uniqueness of Jesus, Jesus the one and only, and how passionate we are about him. Uh, we want him to be famous. Jesus is what we're about. And uh, if you come here expecting to hear lots of alternative ways to God, we'll hear what Jesus said when he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And you'll hear about him. We want, we want to see him famous. We want to see his kingdom come on earth. We want to see that profoundly impacting the culture around us. We want to see our families shaped by the king and his kingdom. We want to see our communities shaped by the kingdom of God. We want our workplaces to be powerfully affected by the rule of Jesus. We want our nation to be affected because Jesus is the one and only. I love the way our worship started today. Well, all of the worship, not just the way it started. <laughs> Shame about the way it finished, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the way it just sort of started, we're just so much, it's about Jesus, it really is, the one and only the way to God, the way to the Father. And uh, it's, uh, I just, oh. let's just pray for a bit. I loved that bit where it talked about Jesus. Oh, being before the throne of God, I have a strong, a perfect plea. Wow. God touched me again. I needed to hear that today because we all know that uh, there is a devil around who, who tempts us to despair. What do we do at that moment? Upward we look and see him there. He's made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and forgive me. Father, we thank you. While in heaven Jesus stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. We come to you, Jesus, the Lord of our salvation. We come to you, the perfect Son of the Father. Yeah. We come to worship you and to honour you this morning. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, why is Jesus so central? Why is it that we're passionate about him? And I just want to read a bit of a passage in uh, Colossians and then talk a little bit about it. I'm going to be uh, jumping in at Colossians 1 verse 15. And... Um, Paul simply says, why are we passionate about Jesus? The reason we're passionate about him is because he has supremacy. That's in effect what he says. But let's read from verse 15. The Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy." For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There are verses before and after that which talk about that. But listen, 
It's the story really about what Paul is emphasizing, the reason why Jesus is so passionate, why we're so passionate about him and why Jesus is the one that God has installed as his king. It's because he is supreme. That he is the one who has uh, brought us, it, it tells us actually a few verses earlier, verse 13, 14 of that passage, it tells us that the Father has rescued us and forgiven us why and how? Well, it's through uh, his own son. He's brought us into the kingdom of his own dear son. That's what he's done. He's brought us into the kingdom. So Jesus is king. We live to see his kingdom come on earth. Jesus came to do that. He's now said, you bring his kingdom on earth. And that's our passion. We want to see Jesus acknowledged as king. Not just acknowledged as we can talk about Jesus. No, we want to see him acknowledged as king. We want to see life surrender to him. We want people to come to him who have words, uh, the words of life, eternal life. So we come to see people reconciled. We, we, our passion is to see the sick healed, to see evil defeated, to see things that happen in our world which are out of sync with the way that God made them to come under his rule again. And Jesus came to make a way that his kingdom could come and that things could be restored. So in this verse, where, which... Um, or in this, in this passage we've read, is called the supremacy of the Son of God. Um, what does supreme or supremacy mean? Well, supreme is, means you're highest in rank. It means there's no one above you. It means you're highest in authority. It means that you are the greatest, the most important. Supreme means that you are surpassing or towering above others. That's what Paul is arguing. That's what Jesus is. He's towering above. He's not on a par with other people and other voices. He's towering above. He's far above. He's supreme. And Paul tells us in this passage, there are three ways, or there may be more, but I'm going to pick out three ways in which Jesus is supreme. Three ways in which Jesus is unique. Three ways in which we preach Jesus because he's everything to us. What are these three things? Well, the first thing I'm going to pick out is this. Uh, he is the supreme revelation. Jesus is supreme revelation. Jesus, it says in verse 15, Jesus the Son is the image of the invisible God. I mean, that's bizarre in itself, isn't it? How can you have an image of something that's invisible? In image is something you can see. Invisible is something you can't see. But Jesus is the image, he's the revelation of what you can't see. So if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what the heart of the Father is, look at Jesus and there you find revelation. No one else can you look at and find out that much about God, but when you look at Jesus, you find he is the supreme revelation. He is the invisible God made manifest. So John explains in his gospel... He explains, no one has ever seen God, but God, the only Son, who himself is God, has made him known. So if we want to know what God is like, that's, listen, that's why we um, run things like Alpha or the Journeys course, to help people discover who Jesus is. In fact, one of the early questions we ask on Alpha is, who is Jesus? It's crucial, it's fundamental. Well, what does it say here? Well, um, John is saying that Jesus says, look, if you want to know what God look, looks like, look at him. You'll find the revelation of who God is. Don't dream up your own ideas as what God's like. Jesus said, look, I've come to show you the Father. 
I love reading the Gospels. I do. I just get so affected by Jesus. Because he's, I just love him as the son of God. I love him as the saviour of the world. I just love the way he comes. And he's always submitted to the father's will. But the way he's so full of compassion and yet full of authority. I mean, Jesus is an extraordinary figure. On the one hand, so approachable. On the other hand, you think, oh my gosh. He demands that I follow him. He demands that I lay down my life. And follow him completely. Jesus is an amazing mix, but he is uh, God made visible to us. Jesus said, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. And he said that the miracles that he did pointed to the fact of who he was. That also reveal the heart of God. And so, you know, you know everything he did and show, shows us what, what God's like. So when Jesus turns water into wine, when he heals the sick... When he opens blind eyes, John comments, he says, and through these things, he revealed his glory. It's like when miracles happen, the curtain is pulled back and we see who Jesus really is. So in one sense, Jesus is human and uh, he's the revelation of God um, on earth. Uh, but there was... Just think about this. You know, when Jesus came, he was very natural. He, was very, he looked like a human being, full of compassion, full of tenderness, full of authority. But it's occasionally you get these glimpses of glory. And one is when you get the miracles. Another one is on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know the day that Jesus took three disciples up the mountain and then suddenly Jesus becomes or is seen as bright, shining, dazzling white. The disciples fall on their knees before him. I'll tell you what's happening there. It's not Jesus changed to become something better. What happened is his disguise, if you like, of human flesh and weak humanity was just lifted and they saw who he really was. It was like, no, that's the Jesus we're worshipping. That's the sort of, that, that's who we're talking about. And uh, the reason Paul writes this is because there were so many opinions about who Jesus was. Well, he's a good man. He's, you know, he's uh, just a good philosopher. And, and uh, maybe he's not as great as we uh, would say he is. And Paul writes this to go, no, no, no. He's every bit as great as he says he is and more. He is the revelation of the invisible God. This is Jesus. And it says in verse 19, it says, God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, dwell in Jesus. Fullness, completeness. So nothing was missing. You look at Jesus, you've got the complete package. When you look at Jesus, you've got not a bit of God, you have got God. You've got the revelation of God. And so what we find is that, you know, everything that God is, is in Christ. He is God possessing all the qualities of God. God come to earth as man. So when we look at Jesus, and when we emphasize Jesus, we're discovering the very heart of God. We know, you know, full of authority, absolutely. Full of holiness, absolutely. Demanding our allegiance, absolutely. And yet this God is also a God who is so full of compassion, who comes and touches the sick. And out of compassion and authority, sickness flees. And out of love, he sets people free from uh, demonic oppression and, and spiritual darkness. He sets them free, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the supreme revelation. The second thing I get from this passage is Jesus is supreme king. Absolute supreme king. 
Uh, verse 15 said, He is the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created. Uh, well, and that term, firstborn, sometimes people can think, oh, if he's firstborn of creation, maybe that means he's just the best bit of creation or the one who's the top of the pack, you know. But no, what this means is it does, it's not actually saying Jesus is part of creation or the best of creation. What this verse is saying, he's the God of creation. He's the firstborn over all creation. There was not a time when Jesus did not exist. Now in history, he came as a human being. But he was with the Father in eternity past. He's the God who made all things. So John tells us another place. He was the, he's the Word and he was with God in the beginning and everything was spoken into being through him. So Jesus was at creation speaking it into being. This is the Jesus that we come to, the King, the one who speaks it into being, who causes everything that exists to exist. And because he is the creator of it, therefore he has all authority over it. He's the firstborn of creation, supremacy, above it, head of it, completely. So miracles, when he heals the sick, when he calms the water, when he multiplies the bread, when he sets people free from uh, evil and uh, darkness, when he does that, what's he doing? The curtain is being pulled back. He's revealing his authority. He's demonstrating his kingdom. He's demonstrating what he is passionate about. He's passionate about seeing people set free. He's passionate about seeing darkness flee. He's passionate about seeing light come to this world. In verse 16, it says here, uh, all things have been created through him and for him. I know it's news for you. The world doesn't revolve around you and me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It revolves around him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all of this planet and all the lovely things, and in the Western world, we kind of think all these lovely things are to revolve around us. God did it for our pleasure. No, no, it's for his pleasure. Yeah. It's for his glory. It's totally for him. We're made for him. All things were made through him and for him. In other words, listen, if you and I are still actually living for ourselves, we are falling far short of our God-given destiny because we're made for him. It's only as we live for his glory that my life becomes about him and about his glory, and not my choices, his choices. Because he's king, I'm made for him. And I only find true fulfillment in my life when I know that I'm submitted to his will and I'm living for him. He is before all things, in verse 17 it says, he's before all things and in him all things hold together. So he sustains his creation, he creates it, he sustains it. That means that our planet is sustained by him. It means the seasons are sustained by him. It means our universe is sustained by him. This is the curtain that Paul is drawing back on. This is Jesus. Not the man, Jesus. The God-man, Jesus, with all authority. Our every breath, our existence depends on him. I can only stand here because he sustains me. 
You can only sit in the chair that you're sitting on because he sustains you. This is Jesus. Ephesians 1 says this, that he has been seated at the Father's right hand far above all authority, all power, all dominion, all rule. He's far above. What that says there is that in, in that passage, if we were to turn to it, that's uh, first, uh, first uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 1 verse 20. It goes on to say that, that angels and demons are submitted to him. In other words, heavenly powers are submitted to him. It also goes on kings and emperors. It talks about earthly rulers are also submitted to him. They're under his authority. Now, you and I know that not everyone acknowledges Jesus at this stage. But the Bible says this, one day every knee will bow to him. But what Jesus did in coming the first time was to pave a way so that all people could come and willingly bow the knee to him and follow him now. He's far above these things. You see, his kingdom is superior to any other kingdom. His kingdom is based on integrity, on justice. His kingdom is based on love and grace. His kingdom is based on purity. Everything that you know in the, your heart of hearts is good and wholesome. It's part of his kingdom. He initiated it. His name is love, we sang earlier on. That's what his kingdom is about. It's superior in every way. It's righteous. He has all authority, it says in the Bible. Very clearly, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. That's why demons flee in the name of Jesus. That's why when we prayed last week, and we're going to pray again today, but when we prayed last week, we saw situations change. When we've prayed before, we've, we've seen back pains go, we've seen eyes healed, we've seen ears unblock in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he has all authority. There is no condition in this room right now that is higher in power or authority than the name of Jesus. That's the confidence we come when we pray. So we can pray. In fact, let's pray right now, shall we? Let's pray right now. In Jesus' name. Let's come against, we come against every sickness in the name of Jesus and every condition that sets itself up as the final authority and we say now in the name of Jesus, be gone. We speak to pain in the name of Jesus and say be gone and be banished and let the kingdom of God come right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus Let's just keep receiving his power as he uh, moves among us. We'll have opportunity, I think there's been some words of knowledge that we'll be bringing a bit later on as well for specific conditions. But listen, the authority that Jesus has is not a little bit all authority. We submit to his authority. Sickness has to submit to his authority. Finally, death submits to his authority. Demons submit to his authority. There's nothing dark that cannot and will not submit to the authority of Jesus. This is Jesus, supreme king. And he's given us us authority to bring his kingdom on earth. Goes on, it says in verse 18, he's the head of the body, the church. You see, it's not just Jesus' head or king of physical creation. He is also head of, king of his new creation, God's people, those who've come alive in him. 
We gather to him. He's our focus. Our worship is about him and about worshipping and glorifying his father. Everything that Jesus was passionate about becomes our passion. He in the church, he's our author, he's our creator, he's our sustainer. He's king. He's the head of the church. The wonderful thing about leadership in the church is that actually all leadership is just modelled on Jesus himself, who became servant. Ultimately, he's the head of the church. That's why we have prayer meetings, not because prayer is what Christians do. We want to know what the head wants us to do. We want to come to the head to bring his kingdom on earth. That's what prayer is about. It's not about trying to get through Pete's and my agenda. (laughs) It's not that at all. It's about his agenda, seeing that come through our lives. Prayer is so key. He's the head that we come to. It says in verse 18, he's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Jesus is the source. He's the start. He's the source of everything. What that's saying there, because he's the firstborn from among the dead, what he's saying is, is look, because he was risen from the dead, because Jesus is alive, others can come alive too. Others can come alive spiritually now and come and know Jesus. But also, when our time comes to leave this earth, that's not the end for us. Eternal life is opened up to us because of Jesus. This is him. This is our king. This is the one who has all authority. And he says he has keys. And he has authority even over death. He was the first to break the power of death. And he did it so that many people from all cultures, all nations, all peoples, shapes, sizes, genders, everyone could come to know the power of the living God. He came to give us new life. Hallelujah. Because he rose, others can rise. Otherwise, death is the most hopeless thing out. Death is a reality that faces all of us. It's huge. It is. The Bible calls it the last enemy. It's very real. We don't talk about it much. But Jesus has defeated it. And for those who put their faith and trust in him, death is a defeated foe. Still the last enemy, but it's a defeated foe. I used to be scared of what would happen after I died. Because of Jesus, that fear has gone. It's absolutely gone because of Jesus. What I love is this. Paul sort of comes to verse 18. It's it's, it's natural creation, new creation, are made by him, through him, for him. And it just says at the end, it says, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. That's the bottom line, is that Jesus is number one that he gets it. Now, it's interesting. He's supreme in authority. Uh, He calls us to follow him. What God says in the Old Testament, there's some prophetic words about Jesus. In Psalm 2, it says this, I have installed my king. I've installed my king. I've decided who's king. I've decided who's sitting on the throne. I've put him there. And then the psalm goes on and encourages us, so bow to him, kiss him, worship him. Surrender to him. I just want to ask you this, and I'm asking myself this. Have we surrendered to this king? Or are we still living for our own agenda? Because Jesus says, come and follow me. So when we follow him, 
if we're followers of Jesus today, if we say, look, I'm a Christian, it means I'm following him. It means my agenda I'm putting to one side and my primary focus is what's his agenda. Have you surrendered to him? Are you living for Jesus or living for yourself? I think, man, that's a challenge which can come to all of us again and again and again. Adjustment time. So he's supreme king, and lastly, he is supreme saviour. He's supreme saviour. In Philippians 2, it talks about Jesus, uh, well, this talks about Jesus being king, but Paul also teaches us in Philippians 2, though he was in very nature God, though he is the supreme God, though he is king, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness as a man. Jesus, who is God, Jesus who created and sustains all things, became human. Why is that? Why, how bizarre is that? Have you heard of anyone else? If you're ruling the universe, why do you bother to become human? Why did Jesus do that? Well, because he is the supreme saviour. Jesus, who is God, who created all things, became man. So what it says here in verse 20, in our passage here, it says that God was pleased through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood on the cross. To restore everything how it should be. Hallelujah. To establish his kingdom and to bring his rule to earth, which means that people can be set free because Jesus is king and he's come to save. It means that people uh, can be forgiven. It means people can be healed. People can have eternal life because the Savior's come. You see, the Father's heart's always been to restore his creation. We sing a lot about the Father's love. Absolutely right. This whole revelation is about the Father chasing his creation, longing for people to return to him. You see, when we'd broken off that relationship, when we turned in sin, and still, we, you can still push him away, but when we, uh, you know, when we sin, we push him away, we live self-centered lives. Listen, what did Jesus do? This Lord of all, this Lord of creation, the one that we'd sinned against, the one we'd offended, the one that could totally banish us to eternal darkness. What does he do? He becomes human. He steps into his creation in order to restore the relationship by shedding his blood. You know, there is nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus. We were um, out on the streets uh, praying for people on Waitangi Day, and uh, just a little aside here, and someone came up and thought that they had cursed us. They came up with anger, felt really sorry for this guy, actually. And what he said to us was... Uh, the blood of Satan destroy you. And instantly in my heart I thought, Satan has no blood. He hasn't shed his blood. There's no power in the blood of Satan. What an empty curse. I thought, how crazy. I thought, but I know of one blood, the precious blood of Jesus who was shed on the cross out of love and compassion. And he shed his blood that you and I could be restored to God. The only curse that happened on the cross was Jesus took the curse, our curse, on himself. That we would not have the curse. Listen, there's power 
in the blood of Jesus to cleanse all our sin. I'm so grateful for that. That, that song again we sung this morning because, you know, while he's standing in heaven and he's going to be standing there forever, while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me depart. Hmm. Satan can come with many lies. He can come with many accusations. The sinless saviour died. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name by which we must be saved. Only Jesus could shed his blood. I've never heard of any other God giving his life. No other God could do that. No other human being could do that. The only reason why Jesus uniquely is the supreme saviour is because he in very nature is God and pure and sinless and though every temptation came against him and he's thoroughly human like us, he did not uh, succumb to temptation. He's pure and, and totally sinless. Therefore, he becomes a perfect sacrifice because God says when innocent blood is shed, sins can be forgiven. So I can't die for you. You can't die for me. Jesus has died for us because he was totally innocent, took our shame and sin. Hallelujah. So uh, Paul says in verse 21, 22, uh, once you were alienated from God, but now you've been reconciled. Listen, the message that we will proclaim from this house is that anyone can come to Jesus and there's no other way really to get your sins forgiven and to come right with God except through him. He's the one and only. He really is. God's answer to your sin and mine is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hallelujah. There's nothing you need to do to get right. You don't need to go through a process. You don't need to live up to a certain standard. He's lived up to a standard for you so you can come, I can come as we are with our sin, with our shame, with our sense of I failed and receive his forgiveness and receive his perfection as a gift. Supreme Saviour. Nobody else has ever done that. Nobody's loved me like that. Nobody's loved you like that. Jesus has. So have you come to the Saviour? I mean, when you, you look at Jesus, have you come to the King and surrendered to him? Have you come to the Saviour to wash away your sins? He is so full of compassion you look at him, his, his name is love. Anyone who feels that they've failed or wandered away can come back to him. He's a wonderful saviour. I've done this so many times in terms of coming back and realising the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. Hallelujah. So just to wrap up then, Jesus, Jesus in very essence and nature is God. He's the revelation of the Father to us. He's the one who created, sustained all things. He's the supreme king. He's the one who uh, brings his kingdom on earth. He's the one worthy of our allegiance, our worship, us to follow him. He's the supreme saviour, humbling himself on the cross, defeating darkness and bringing us to the Father. Listen, this is the Jesus we follow. He's head of this house and we're committed to seeing him glorified. We long for that. Why don't we stand now? This is the Jesus we follow. He's the head of this house. He's the one we represent in, our, in the world around us. He's the one we represent in the workplace. He's the one we represent to other people 
He's the one we introduce our neighbours to, our friends to. He's the one. It's not about us putting on a nice front. It's about us presenting him. He's brought us into his kingdom under his rule. We've experienced his mercy. And he wants us now to carry that sense of mercy with us, that message of mercy, the message of his kingdom and rule, the confidence to pray for people that they would have freedom in their lives, to see sickness gone, to bring healing, to bring the gospel, to become a channel of his love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Lord Jesus.